The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, episode 22. Janet West Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we got to do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. Indeed. say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous. But this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home. It's about getting us to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Barazzini, and you're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series, and more. Today, we're picking up our discussion uh, that we started last week about the season one finale and the season two opener of SG-1. Today, we'll be talking about the season two opening episode, The Serpent's Lair. So we pick back up with the team. They're on the, uh, the Gwold ship. It's been revealed that in addition to Chlorel's ship, there's also Apophis's mothership, which is traveling to Earth. They've arrived in the solar system. Uh, Lieutenant uh, Samuels has arrived at the SGC and announces that they are going to be attacking the Gwold ship with Naquita-infused warheads. And he's very confident that this is going to take care of them. Uh, General Hammond, having dealt with the Gwold, is obviously a little more skeptical. But yeah, the team gets uh, attacked, and they get they ended up getting put in the brig. So you can pick up the yep. discussion there. Yeah, <laughs> get a quick cut and wake up, and they're blind. So just just a correction: yep. uh, it's Lieutenant Colonel Samuels. Okay, Lieutenant Colonel. Sam- okay, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it both ways on the uh, on the wiki. I don't know if they go back and forth, but or for yeah, he was he was major, and that that was the the thing. Uh, in the politics episode where he's, oh, no, it's Lieutenant Colonel now. You know, of course, he has to put oh, to point yeah. his epaulots and says, oh, look at here, I'm Lieutenant Colonel. As he's standing in front of a two-star general, that's like, yeah, so I still outrank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he's definitely uh, got a lot of hubris. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, and, uh, yeah, so we have, uh, we start with some poignant uh, words from Jack. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, where he's trying to. Trying to think of something profound to say and nothing comes to Can't mind. Think of anything, yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, I like that. Um, we also get a very, very despondent uh, Daniel Jackson. Like throughout this episode, he is just a downer, mm-hmm. understandably so. But yeah, 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 and uh, yeah, this uh, and this sets up the running gag of O'Neill saying, "You know, this is uh, turning out to be a very bad day." Yep. as well yeah well it doesn't get much better when they throw a shock grenade at him we, we see that for the first time where they're stunned and blind bo- blinded yeah. both mm-hmm. no one of the the running things throughout this episode is a uh, primitive human grenades versus uh the advanced uh shock grenades from the world which seem to function just like shock grenades that we have but just a little little more uh stunning than yeah <laughs> our flashbangs do yeah, the first time we saw one of those was actually in the very first episode of the show. Um, I think when they knock out the uh, oh, that's the right staff waiting in the gate room, oh, they yeah. you know they they throw one of those in first and knock them out. You know when the when the gates in storage, effectively. Mm-hmm. When they pulled it out, though, I did think of a C three PO saying, "Just holding a thermal detonator." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
They look very similar, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although yeah, the- I guess perfectly cube ones wouldn't roll as well, so. Yeah. yeah. It's like rolling a dice. But yeah, they, uh, they're put in the brig, and they're not guarded, because you gotta do, do the what? James Bond thing, where you don't watch over your prisoners. Well, it wasn't really a brick. It was kind of a hallway with like chain link fence on either. Yeah. So it was like a section of hallway with chain link. They get better brigs later on, but but yeah, this was just kind of like I don't know, just put them in that section of the hallway, well, and put some fencing around. It, it worked until the Jaffa showed up, a particular one. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Retax shows yes, up. Yes, but yeah, we yes. get a, we get his reveal. Um, so he puts uh, chlorel into the sarcophagus so it can be revived. Um which I know you mentioned this last week, Lisa, but apparently he was supposed to stay dead, but there was a fan outrage, so they, they brought him back. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get the one Jaffa there who is notor- um, noticeably keeping his uh, serpent helmet on the whole time so he can get that reveal where he comes in, you see a shadow, you see the helmet drop, and you get Braytac. The voice was familiar, though. I mean, as soon as you yeah. hear his voice, it's like, is that Braytac? That sure sounds like him. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> yeah. I love the first thing that he does when he uh, sees uh, Jack O'Neill is he just punches him. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say the payoff of getting Braytac in this episode to kind of save them all, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it just makes it all the better. Yep. Right? I mean, you know they're going to get out of it, sure. But to get the way Braytac does it and he pun- you know, just still looking down his nose at the humans, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Love it. Well, throughout throughout the episode, he's he's always like, "This is the way we're going to do it because I, you know, I'm superior. You know, Jafar is superior to you, pesky humans." Until they get to the shield generator, you know, got to knock out the yeah. shield generator. He's like, "We oh, yeah. got to go down all these flights and cross over here." And D- Jack just pops a couple of grenades and throws them down. And okay, that worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did anyone else feel that was like your Raiders of the Lost Dark moment mm-hmm. with the guy with the sword? Yeah. You know, and and Indiana Jones just pulls out his gun. And- yep. Yep, exactly. It's like, yeah, eh, I can't, you got the patience for this. Boom. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was a good payoff to all the the ribbing he gave, right? Of them about their well, primitive weapons. And then he turns around. He's like, okay, so now what? And then Braytex always like, now we die. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No. <laughs> How about no? Yeah. Well, I can't believe we we've skipped over. Uh, Carter biting Jack's hand oh, in the yeah. prison oh, yeah. just to go back. <laughs> oh, yeah. Speaking of your ships and stuff, I guess. <laughs> just came out of nowhere. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I guess that's what you would do if you couldn't see and somebody like Grab grabbed your face. You, yeah. Yeah. But was it that didn't later Jack say something like, and the plan is, Carter, you bite someone or something? Yeah. Like yeah. Comes, yeah. Bite their hand. Yeah. <laughs> that was nice. And uh, and Braytac is just pretty prickly the whole time because they've thrown a wrench into his plan, which was to cause Chlorel and uh, Apophis to be suspicious of each other, mm. which it's it's not a it's not a bad plan, but I don't think it would save the Earth, which is was his goal. No. Yeah, it it wasn't. Yeah. And I think Braytac even acknowledged that is is that, you know, it, it, it might have happened, you know, it might have happened here. It might have happened at the next planet, you know, that they were sent out to destroy. But it would have happened eventually. I'm yeah. 130. What do you want? Like, yeah. Yeah. He's he's much more in for the long game. Right. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah. Not the immediate save the earth. But yeah, well, it is. It was kind of funny, though. I mean, he's he's criticizing Jack and, and SG1 for being there. And Jack's like, this is our planet. What do you think we're going to do? You think we're just going to sit back and let you guys destroy our planet? We don't yeah. care about your plans. We just want to save our planet. What you do after that, we don't care. Right. <laughs> and uh, 
back in the SGC, which I think is where like the real drama is happening. I mean, mm-hmm. here we get up in space, we get running around. We're on one ship or on another ship. Something's blowing up. People are getting captured. You know, oh, no, that now they're it's just, you know, a lot of the running around of ships. But back in the SGC, I mean, it's actually interesting stuff is yeah. is happening there. I mean, as, as you mentioned, Colonel Samuels is back with a, a secret weapon. Um, which is our first ever uh, Naquita enhanced nuke, I think, mm-hmm. which we see a lot of as as they, you know, improve it. Um, but yeah, so uh, and it totally would have worked too if their shields hadn't been up on the on the gold ships. <laughs> yeah, I think oh, is darn. is the point. Yeah, didn't see I that mean, coming. <laughs> but it, they get the shields down later on. I was like, well, they they could have sent the nukes like now, but it, well, the, the nukes totally would have worked if it wasn't for those meddling shields. You kids in your meddling shields. <laughs> yeah. It's like I've never seen another sci-fi movie ever, right? That has shields on alien spaceships. Yeah, no, there's, there's so confident it's going to work out. Yeah, and I mean to the point of just like, let's not alert anybody else because this is just going to take care of it. Everybody's just going to see a couple of new stars in the sky, and that's it. Yeah, that didn't quite work. Yeah. But there's this great yeah. scene as they're, you know, they're they're getting the people to the alpha site to the the off-world escape pl- planet, and. Uh, General Hammond is standing in front of the Stargate as it pushes, and that is just the best scene in the world where he's he's, he's just surrounded by the, the Stargate mm. when it lights up. Yeah, because, yeah, none of those people that have seen the Stargate before know where they're going or how they're going to get there. He's like, and you're going to be transported to a planet, and just as a kawoosh, he's just like, through that, you yep. know? Yeah. And that is a <laughs> excellent, that was his patent moment. Yeah, yep. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, so they're going to move, uh, as he says, the Earth's best and brightest to a, a backup colony in case the they're not able to defeat the gold. And uh, later on, we also yep. get a good moment with uh, Samuels where he comes up, his tail between his legs, asking if we can go to the backup planet. And Hammond tells him, no, we're sending the Earth's best and brightest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is not well, you. <laughs> yep. You think about it, he doesn't really ask. He's kind of like, well... Since my plan didn't work, mm-hmm. and man, I'll, I'll go on and evacuate <laughs> with everybody else. Yeah. No, yeah, nothing really for me to do here. I'm going to knock off early yeah, today. You... I'm just going to head through that Stargate, and yeah, uh, yeah. Good luck here. Yeah, you know. <laughs> see you later, maybe. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah, uh, no, was a great, great speech from. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Request denied. I mean, he was just like, <laughs> yeah. not even a chance. Mm. <laughs> we also get a. Uh, Speaking of Hammond, we get the first uh, reference uh, to him as Hammond of Texas from Braytown mm-hmm. when they meet. And he does the, the move his hand over his head yeah. as a bald, you know, bald yeah. Hammond of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the resolution on the Hubble telescope is amazing. Yeah, like they can they could see through the windows into the bridge, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, what's going on in the ship. And they can decide that or they can determine that the nukes bounced off an energy shield which i don't really know how they did that but it was pretty realistic though that if you do depending on how high in orbit it is if you do detonate a nuke up there i mean you are going to cause a emp burst that'll Mm -hmm. knock out yeah they'll knock out uh your communications at least that's the theory at least for satellites yeah 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 they do the same thing they do in independence day though is you have these massive ships which i'm not exactly sure of the scale of the gold ships but they're they're huge um, oh, there are videos on YouTube you can watch where they have every ship and oh, they progress sure. oh, yeah. larger. Yeah, they're they're a lot of fun. Yeah, no, that's that's my jam. I'll have to watch that after this. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they do the same thing in Independence Day, where at one point in that movie they reference the 
mothership as being a fourth the size of the moon and it's like closer than the moon. So if mm. it was that big and that close, you could see it. Yeah. Just with the oh, naked yeah. eye. I feel like you, you get the same thing here with the gold ship and they never talk about them having any sort of cloaking device. So they're, they're not that big. I think they're, they're probably smaller than the enterprise D. Yeah. Oh, okay. If I had to guess. Yeah. Yeah. I was assuming they'd be bigger than that. But yeah. Okay. Well, they do land on pyramids. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, later on you get like the super ghouled ships, which are clearly, you know, much larger, but still not city size or anything. Yeah. yeah that's, that's for another show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you lost my train of thought there. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. Um, and those are rockets that Colonel Samuels, I mean, I don't know what, what he puts in his rockets, but I mean, they got up in the orbit, like, Within sec, I mean, yeah, it's the same thing yep. that a Soren put in his rocket to uh, destroy the sun from Star Trek Generations. Oh yeah, it takes two seconds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if if you watch, you know, for at least low Earth orbit, it takes about ten minutes. I mean, if you watch like some of the uh, Starlink launches or whatever, you know, the SpaceX launches, it takes them about ten minutes to at least get into the 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 initial orbit. Mm-hmm. But you know, this is in theory, much further than that. We know there that the Gwauld ships had, had entered into orbit once Corel was, was, uh, was healed once he was healed by the, uh, sarcophagus, you know, then they got into orbit. Um, so don't know how far it is off earth, but it's definitely not the, uh, you know, 30 seconds you watch it go from launch to boom, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. I think they say yeah. it's four minutes between launch to hitting and they do some time jumping there. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. it's still a little. Yeah. A little quick. A little fast. But um, yeah, it's not there. There's definitely fair a lot better than uh, our other, uh, you know, Earth based uh, spacecraft in this episode where Bree Tech <laughs> is, is saying, well, perhaps when the warships of your world attack, you know, we, we might stand a chance. And they all, all the SGC is like looking at each other. It's like, yeah, we have we have a couple of, of shuttles. And yeah. Bree Tech well, they're goes, mighty. Uh, These shuttles. Yeah. They are formidable craft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. Who rescues them at the end of the day? Yep. Space Shuttle Endeavor. Endeavor yep. shuttle. Now, now, of course, that's where everybody who ever watched the Space Shuttle program rolls their eyes. It's like, there's a Space Shuttle on standby on the pod, you know, Endeavor on standby. And it's like, yeah, the Space Shuttles were never on standby. They spent half the time being broken or f- being fixed. Yeah. I, I forget what it was called now, but I watched some like early 80s um, made for TV uh, movie. It was a disaster airplane movie. But the twist was that this was a, a, a airplane that went up into orbit and then came back down. And in order to rescue it, they send up one space shuttle and it gets destroyed. And then they send up another space shuttle, you know, and it's just like you setting <laughs> space shuttles up. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, if only. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I, have a book, I have a book from the early 80s it was like uh, or might even be from the late 70s but it was talking about like you know what it's going to be like in the year 2000 and we're going to have a big ring uh space station and there's mm. like going to be like regular shuttle service and it's like 20 space shuttles just flying around and that'd be great yeah it'd be awesome we, we secrets of uh, doctor who we just talked about an episode said in 2018 and yeah it's like we don't have half that technology <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, we do have video video conferencing from the Jetsons now. Yes. Yeah. And we do have an enemy of the world, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, 
Florel has been uh, revived by the sarcophagus and mm-hmm. we get more of his internal conflict going on. Like when he's, when the missiles are coming towards the ship and he's got to activate it, he almost doesn't. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we're getting, getting more of that. It'll be, it'll be good to see if that pays off. Yep. Yeah. I like yeah. A little bit of struggle and mm-hmm. the, uh, that scar is still in there and it, it yep. just brings it back so that in future well, it's seasons that we see him that, that yeah. you know that there's more of that mm-hmm. for him when we do our uh, measure of a gould trial yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. <laughs> one more space trial yeah well it's it's interesting that he actually admitted to apophis that it's like i can't do it you know I'm, this mm-hmm. this host is too strong mm-hmm. it's it's fighting me and of course apophis is like you're my son you're fine yeah, <laughs> yeah. brush it off yeah they do carry through that gold arrogance really well right yeah mm-hmm. it's just like they they don't guard things. They don't worry about things. And then he even says, they got to my son, but they're not prepping for us. But he doesn't go, how did they get on this ship? Yeah. I mean, there's there's no real logic or thinking through the process. It's just like, I will get them. You think he would yeah. put two and two together and realize they have a Stargate and there's a Stargate on the ship. And they don't yeah. have interstellar spacecraft. So therefore, but I think he's too wrapped up in his own ego to... Really puzzle, oh, yeah. puzzle over anything like that. Mm-hmm. He also delays the attack on Earth until Chlorel is revived, which is a big mistake for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of another like kind of plot hole here as well, as it takes Chlorel like how many hours, yeah. like a day or two, or I don't know. It was, it was like 18 really hours. Long. It was like 18 yeah. hours. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he's he's in the easy bake oven for like 18 hours and he's a gold, so stronger than a human, right? Later on, Daniel gets shot in the chest with a staff weapon <laughs> with 41 minutes. Yeah. And he's in there for like 20 minutes and then yep. he pops out and his uniform's fixed, you know, and, his, yeah. you know, and uh, he's like ready to go. And yeah, so yeah. I don't know. And Chlorel jumps out and is still trying to fight his host and can't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's, you got to love that. The uh, sarcophagus, not just does it heal you, it, it's a tailor, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it repairs your radio. Repairs yep. your, yeah. yeah. He had his guns in there too. I noticed Did they Does it like yeah. clean them and reload them for him. Probably. That'd be nice. He might've just turned the temperature up though. Got to cook things quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Turned up to 11. Yeah. So is this the second time now Daniel's been shot, left for dead and. Ended up in the sarcophagus. Oh, sarcophagus and is fine. Yeah. Yep. It's hard to count, you know, how many we're up to. He's yeah, died. This is an almost Three dead. He wasn't quite dead yet. Yeah. yeah. That's, true. That's true. He wasn't true. dead. You're right. You're right. And this is after us, uh, you know, in the last episode, right before, you know, uh, Jack is forced to sc- uh, shoot uh, Chlorel slash Scara, you know, sc- uh, Chlorel is like sucking Daniel Jackson's life away. And he's like, I've sucked a year of your life away. Yeah. Device. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I don't know how those gold like sucky things work, but like you probably want to shoot him sooner rather than yeah. later to stop that because it. A can't be pleasant, and B is probably doing some lasting damage to his brain. That yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe the sarcophagus fixed that though. I mean, it- yeah. But on that note, so he's torn, right? Daniel's getting his brain sucked, and then there's Scar Chlorel, mm-hmm. and I'm going. Someone's got a zat. Yeah. Why, why was this hard? Or just I shoot know, him in I the know, leg. It's a show, but yeah, yeah. That's 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 <laughs> the old shoot him in the leg thing. Yeah, yeah. All you really need is a shotgun and uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or walk over and like hit him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Those that hand device, like as we've seen in the movie and multiple times, is like the worst possible way to kill someone because it takes like five minutes. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> they get more effective torture devices too. The ghoul do nice. Yep. Yeah, speaking speaking of their brigs, yeah. You have agonizer booths. Yeah, exactly. Agonizer sticks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, even better. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the gold. So gold and agonizing. Jack has to leave Daniel. Daniel's dying. Mm-hmm. Yep. To see their little bro relationship yep. growing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's. I like the I like the the kind of the conclusion with the two ships where they've got the C four ready to go on the on the first ship on Corel's Corel's ship, and then they beam over to the other ship and basically put them on ramming speed. Mm-hmm. You know, so that when the first yep. one goes, it takes the second one out. Yeah, but wasn't that, that Braytex idea? Yeah, it was. Yep, yep. As he says, uh, two birds with but one stone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> much better use of an analogy than his yeah, uh yeah we'll cross that bridge and we come to it earlier on in the yeah, episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um and so they're yeah they're they leave uh they leave uh daniel on the other ship with the assumption that they're all going to die anyway so it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. but they do end up escaping uh daniel and or um Jack and Sam and Braytac and Teal'c and two yep. death gliders. Yeah. Uh, Braytac's like, well, cool now, scene. now we die. Now we die. And, and Jack's like, bad plan. Let's think of yeah. another one. Hello, ships, death gliders. <laughs> Let's fly off of this I, thing. I didn't mention it last episode, but you know, when they, when they, the death gliders, you know, the, the death glider bay is, you know, a composite, you know, a digital composite. And so when they're like loading people up into them, they have like, you know, people cut outs being loaded up and raised mm-hmm. up into the death gliders. And if you look closely at, at the Jaffa going in, there's like a Jaffa there and he's like raising the roof yeah. as he goes up into his death glider. Yeah, that's so right. Weird. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. I had to watch it like three times. I was like, it, he's not really motioning me up. He's like, actually like raising yeah. the roof is pretty crazy. <laughs> was that a thing in 98? I don't remember. Well, our, our, I think well, it was. Arsenio Hall was this. Yeah. I think yeah, raise yeah. the roof was still a thing. Nice. Yeah. This is this is great for an audio only podcast too. By the way, I was gonna say, is raising the roof still a thing? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it, it sure is. Right? I mean, anything that was popular when I was like in my twenties has to still be popular. Yeah, sure. In the nineties is coming yes. back into style. So it is yeah. very much into style. Oh no, <laughs> I can't. Wait. I'm just saying. <laughs> I can't wait to see what the nineties looks like the second time around. Oh, but. <sighs> It's kind of a hot mess, but yeah, it's back. <laughs> well, that works, I guess. That's why Stargate is still so popular. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Because <laughs> it's not insanely depressing. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Speaking Happy of things that are insanely, life. yeah, speaking of things that are insanely depressing now, was that a, uh, a Star Wars reference when they get in the Death Gliders and they go punch it? Isn't that like a Han Solo <laughs> thing or something? Yeah, he says that. I think so, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say yeah. yes. Well, we'll have to ask our friends for secrets of Star Wars for yeah. sure. I know it's what um it's what Pike says in the new the new Star Trek shows, but mm-hmm. this is pre that. So, yep. That might exactly. be just on solo too. Line. Yeah. I was just Pike probably got that from watching Star Wars. Probably. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh I was just hoping you'd say uh, you're all clear kid now it's both thing and go home. Yeah. Right. Wahoo! Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do like that. We get a lot of um, 
you know, Braytech and Teal's philosophy of, you know, like is dying free is better than, mm-hmm. you know, living as a slave and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Braytech saying I've spent 133 years worshiping you, Mr. False God. And, um, now you're going to die. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I die free. I, 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 yeah, Braytech spent a lot of time in this episode trying to die. Yeah. I mean, he really did. Yeah. <laughs> just be tired. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing I like is, uh, Daniel figures out, hey, we're around Earth. I could use Earth's home signal to uh, dial back to the Alpha Quadrant, or Alpha Quadrant, I was going to Alpha Quadrant, Alpha Site, <laughs> and so I can get home yeah. through the Stargate with literally two seconds to go as he yeah. jumps through. That's how you got to do <laughs> it. Yeah. But... But he did. I did like how he was like that. He got to like the seventh Chevron and was like looking frantically at the DHD being like, OK, well, what would what would be the point of, you know, is it Earth's point of origin? OK, there it is. Boom. Yep. You exactly. Know? Yeah. So that part was nice. Yeah, they do. They do a, a good job. Not having characters have that, like, I know how to work every interface exactly right off the bat mm-hmm. thing, which you which you get a lot of times like in Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and then later you, on the show, they're like, they're like, oh, we're on the bridge of a Gould mothership. Okay, let me just fly it over here now. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in this episode, Teal looks like, you know, like, I don't know, like, I've never seen one of these things before. And that's, that's, that is one thing that uh, I think Stargate does so much better than other series do is they do advance the technology, but it's slowly. We've talked about it before, yeah. but over the course of, you know, 10 seasons SD1, they go from, you know, like this, nothing, you know, nothing, no spaceships, you know, just, you know, standard military issue firearms to uh battleships you know very large inter inter intergalactic ships that can you know go from one galaxy to the other yeah intergalactic planetary planetary intergalactic yep if you're a beastie boys (laughs) oh sorry uh (laughs) and uh and they do it in a very sensible way too. First, but you know they have fighter craft, and then they have the uh, you know the battleships and stuff that they that they develop, and mm-hmm. we get lots of funny uh, Star Trek references along the way too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I will point out, they still maintain the Air Force rank structure as it should be. <laughs> the Navy is water yes. only; they are not spaceships. Air Force is everything <laughs> above the ground. Well, actually, now Space Force. I will take that back. Space Force is everything in space, and there I think they should remain. With the Air Force ranks. Do they set as the an Air, Air Force, Air Force ranks? Do you know? Hmm? Does Space Force follow the Air Force ranks? They, they've kept them so far. There's been talk. And actually, there was one congressman that tried to pass a law to force the Space Force to use Navy ranks. And I think the I think the DOD basically said, go pound sand. Let us deal yeah. with it. But right now, they are still doing. Um, I think they still call their enlisted airmen, for example. Called you know, spacemen. Yeah, they should call them spacemen and mm-hmm. space generals and space admirals. And- yeah, everything's better when you add space. Yeah, yeah. well, there yeah. wouldn't be admirals because it's you know the air force, the yeah. better ranks. But still, yeah, everything's better when you add space. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, <laughs> except except speaking of that, space monkey. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. What? Where did that yes. come from? Yeah, that was uh, great. At the end, O'Neill is yeah. You know, yeah, I it was an ad lib, right? Could be. Well, maybe, but they never, but they, ne- they never say it again. Yeah, it was kind of just like. Doesn't he say it a couple of, I mean. Like space monkeys, like what you'd say to like a six-year-old or something. I don't know. Maybe it's, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it was very, yeah. kind of a belittling I thing to say. thought that that, that they refer to him several times. Could be. Could be. I don't remember, but. Yeah, maybe. It, it did make me think of, I'm not sure if y'all have seen this movie, but have you watched the, the first Twilight movie? 
No. Okay. No. Good. It's, <laughs> I yeah. No. I've Parts of it with Riff Tracks commentary. Yes, oh, that, that's the way to do it. That's yeah, the way to do I it. I watched it to make fun of it. Um, <laughs> but at one point, I can't remember the main character guy's name. He, re- he refers to the girl as Spider Monkey just out of nowhere. And it's really weird and uncomfortable and awkward. And that's what this made me think of. Isn't that all of Twilight weird and uncomfortable and awkward? Yes. It's, it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. What if Teal'c was a sparkly vampire? Discuss. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe no. Yeah. No. <laughs> so we get um we get the space shuttle endeavor kind of as a payoff to the space shuttle reference. Yeah. We get it yep. picking them up in their death gliders. And I just want to know how did that logistically work? It's not like you can yeah. like, open the door and jump over and Shh. it's a show. Shh. My yeah, well really just they, they could they could decompress. Well, you're right because they'd be in the pot. They'd be in the bay, right? And there's no Can't atmosphere in, yeah. in the bay. Yeah, I don't they think you stay in their glider until they land it. Well, I think they just jettison the compartment of the glider. I think the I think you know just like how you know later on the ships will have like you know when they do eject, they're like in their little pods apartment. Yeah. yeah, so maybe they just like shot through pods into the into the bay and then just landed the shuttle somehow. Sure. <laughs> Which is, did, that's but, good yeah. yes that works good yeah. good good uh good head cannon I, I don't know if they yeah they don't they obviously they don't mention it yeah that was my thought too as i'm watching it did they like like you know do the let go of your breath and swim over thing you know sure. well they or they have they, they, they do ship to ship or something i don't i don't know but but you can't like get into the space shuttle from outside i don't think like you, you can through the bay there is there was an access okay. there is an access uh oh okay so from the bay but that. i but like i said i don't think the bay has the ability to be pressurized so but we do have uh death gliders i don't remember when we get them necessarily so it could have been that they took the whole thing yeah yeah they just landed like, the space yeah. shuttles with the death gliders hanging off of them yeah. No. Oh, in the bay. No, I'm in, in the bay. bay. I know. I know. Bay's yeah. huge. <laughs> I also want to know. So they had to get into the space shuttle. It had to land, which means they probably had to wait until they were in the correct orbit to enter the mm-hmm. atmosphere and land. And then they had to fly to Colorado. So it was everyone yeah. hanging around in the. Oh, SGC, they just, well, like, they just landed the space shuttle at Colorado. They just landed the, the space shuttle at Stapleton Airport, or I guess it was DIA Denver International Airport. You know, no big deal. It's big enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then and then they come in and then you wait like ten minutes before you tell them Daniel Jackson's alive. And meanwhile, Jack's like grinning, is like, hey, this was a pretty good day after all, wasn't we it? We just lost you one know, of our friends. Like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Though I love the moment where Carter's all like blah 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 and he's like, Look up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they just pause. Yeah. I really you know, especially when you Learn later on that she always wanted to be an astronaut mm-hmm. and that, you know, some of the first times we meet him, he's got the telescope and all that. So it was kind of a, a neat moment for the first time they're in space and actually yep. getting to see the earth yeah. from right there. We saved it, sir. Yes, we did. Yep. Right. You kind of you kind of forget that because they've been all over the galaxy, but they've not actually been in space yet. They've just been on different planets. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. yeah. And again, right at that moment, they still thought they were going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so the uh, the gold ships get destroyed. Um, Braytac is going to return to um, Chulak, which I want to know, is he like on the run now, or how's that going to work out for him? 
Um, well, we'll yeah. find out. Yeah. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he had to hoof it back to Chulak to get everybody out of there, I think, is, is the idea. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. So. But yeah, it was, a, it was a good episode and a good start to the second season. It is. We, and we hit the ground running this season. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of... A lot of fun stuff coming our way. And I mean, it, second, second episode, just, uh, I can't think of the name of it. Uh, in the line of duty, right? In yep. the line of duty. I just, yeah. yeah. That's right. The Tokra. Yeah. Right. Oh, we yeah. Jolinar. We have a whole nother takeover oh, nice. of the body. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, 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 you know, of course, the first season, all in all, wasn't too bad. And we'll, uh, but it, it's, uh. Second season improves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's much it's, better. Yeah. Yeah, it really, so. uh, it really, like, found its footing quickly, I feel like. And a lot of shows, mm-hmm. you get, you get a lot of that early, early season kind of jitters, but I feel like, apart from, uh, Emancipation, yeah. Yeah. Most of the episodes yeah. were at least decent. <laughs> Tolerable, <laughs> sometimes. I, yeah. <laughs> and I, think this is what happens um if you have like a very strong like creative staff you know and they're and they're not trying to please anybody they're just sitting in a room and coming up with cool ideas and you know knocking around cool ideas Mm -hmm. and thinking about how things would work and wouldn't it be cool if this happened and they're not trying to you know check boxes or or anything uh you know they're not feeling beholden to the prevailing you know political winds or anything so and and when you don't when you don't have one person who's basically running the thing gene roddenberry and you know you have to basically do what he wants you to do you also don't have the baggage of like any any of the sequel of star trek shows they had to be a star trek show but this was starting Mm -hmm. fresh so they didn't they didn't have to like fit any mold right Mm mm-hmm yeah, and it's like when I first started watching Stargate, what it reminded me of, oddly enough, um, and this was before, you know, New Who had come along was, was you know, classic Doctor Who where, you know, you have a team of, you know, three or four people and every every week they're on another planet, you know, or and something weird happens. And, um, you know, so it was they're trying to solve a problem. They, you know, get out just in the nick of time, that sort of thing. So um, and I think Doctor Who was another show that benefited from not having any baggage when it first started. in. In the mm-hmm. '60s as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's always nice to see that. Uh, that start. Well, did y'all have any uh, other thoughts on this episode? Nothing here. No, but I did look very quickly up Space Monkey, and everyone says that is the one and only reference. Hmm. Hmm. Which shocks me because <laughs> I, I guess it just became a maybe because my son's name is Daniel, and we used to say that to him oh, when well, he was little. There you go. <laughs> okay, well, that's cute that, like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> recording because he's a teenager and he's gonna be mad at yeah me, but. Well, well, I, I mean i did think of one thing you know every time that samuel says for what it's worth you almost want to smack the smug off his face mm-hmm. yeah. he I, I think he only says it one this once in this episode but he says it on a regular basis for what it's worth like no it ain't worth nothing if i was yeah. if i was general hammond it's like it's not worth anything so i don't want to hear it mm-hmm. <laughs> and i and I did like uh, Jack's kind of like, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to win not by laying down our lives for our world, but by getting the other guys to lay down their lives for their world first, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I, th- I think is a aphorism. I can't recall who said it, but well, it's there's it's, it's kind of a military it's a, military it's uh, truism where it's, you know, instead of uh, laying down our lives, we make them lay down theirs first type mm-hmm. of deal. And instead of laying down our lives for our country, we want to lay, make them lay down their lives for theirs first. Yeah. 
my husband, we were watching it again. He goes, he quoted it and he goes, that's Patton. Was it Patton? Okay. I don't know if he's right go. or wrong. Made me think of Malcolm Reynolds advice in Firefly. Uh, if someone tries to kill you, you just try to kill him right back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Yeah. All right. And we do have some uh, feedback. Um, right. episode Enigma uh, Paulioni on YouTube says, this was an okay episode for me. One thing I noticed when I rewatched it earlier this year was there's a nice moment between Tobin Bell's character and Daniel. When Tobin explains how the communication device works and Daniel says, oh, you're uh, talking about folding space, like Einstein theorized, and Tobin almost looks sympathetic to him, or at least pitying, and he says no. It is at least hinted at more than arrogant space genius to him. Here's Mm -hmm. a random question. If you all were magically made showrunners for a new Stargate series, a sequel or a prequel or, or whatnot, not a full reboot, what would it be about? So we can, we can uh, go around here and answer that Ooh. question. Um, yeah. Yeah. You want to go first? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely going to see, um, you know, a new civilian run Stargate program on Earth taking place, you know, however many years it's been since mm-hmm. Atlantis wrapped up. Um, led by uh, Rodney McKay and Samantha Carter, who are now married <laughs> with the with the daughter, <laughs> and the daughter is is now a captain in the Air Force, and she's part replicator, which is uh, how she's like age like appropriate now. And then um, I think the, <laughs> we're gonna also uh, get uh, this is a spoiler way ahead. We're gonna get Rush and Eli out of their stasis pods so that they can swoop in and save the day. I think that that just needs to happen. Um, <laughs> right off the bat, because that's it's still I like wake up in the middle of the night. I'm like, Rush and Eli are still in their stasis spots. Yeah. Um, and then uh, <laughs> the enemies are going to be a uh, a Gould replicator, like a genetically, you know, technologically cybernetic uh, Gould race that I think, um, you know, just to take it back to its roots. And we definitely need to get General Hammond in there. And, uh, you know, since Donis uh, Davis has uh, sadly passed away, we will go back. Um, Bill and Ted style and pick up General Hammond from like the early 1980s. So it can be played by the same actor who played him in 1969 and he'll have aged a little bit there. And so he can be like, like having like flock of steagles hair and like, you can like wear like shades and like fluorescent neon colors and be like, Whoa, that's like radical whenever he sees like the Stargate. And um, so I think, I think, I think it'll be a big hit. I don't, I don't have a name for it yet. Maybe like, like, stargate like the return or something i don't know so victor will that that race between the uh gold and replicators be called the gorb gorb i like it <laughs> can we can we pronounce it four different ways the gua orb yeah yeah gorb gorb, <laughs> gorb. nice what about you father Corey? uh what would you do if you were put in charge of a show you know, I, I think the first thing I would do is make it clear we're not going to do the overarching storylines and grittiness of Battlestar Galactica. And I, I like the idea, you know, actually, I, what I would like, what I think would be cool is there's an episode, um, I can't remember what season it is, but it's like the 20, 30 years in the future. Do you guys remember which, you know, the episode I'm talking the about? Where 20, they're 2010 on, or? Was that? 2010. 2010. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's 2010. Yeah, 20, that 30 years in the future. Years. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, something like that where, you know, where the Stargate is known to the civilians and we do have commerce with all these different planets and, you know, and, and but not the aliens have really taken it over and 
And, you know, that, that the SGC or SG-1 is trying to send a message back to their past selves to say, don't go to the planet where the aliens come from. Oh, spoilers for that episode if you haven't seen it this late. It's a... I, I think that would be an interesting point to do it, where it isn't just a military. You still have the military missions. You could still have, you know, SG-1 or, you know, the SG-1, the 2020 version or whatever. But but it is, again, it's the, the Stargates are known much more widely, you know, and again, that aliens are conversing with us. And what does Earth look like when aliens can just jump in the Stargate and come visit? That'd be cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the implications for commerce and stuff. You could get like a Blade Runner world or, yeah, people getting technologically enhanced and stuff. That would be cool. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. What about you, Lisa? You know, I've obviously not given this as much thought as Victor. Well, there was thought involved in Victor's response. (laughs) (laughs) Not much. I think that for me, it would just be to stay true to what made Stargate so popular in the 90s and early 2000s. And that would be like we've talked about that it's positive and pokes a little fun at itself and that it has great solid characters. It's a, it's a character relationship show that just happens to be Mm sci-fi. Right. And that's what they did so beautifully. But I want to give a plug for, if you, if you let me, I want to give a plug for Stargate now Europe on Twitter because Mm. they are actually promoting the new, to get a new show formed, right? Mm. Canon show. So they use the hashtag, we want Stargate. Yes. And if you follow them and you tweet that hashtag, they're, um, they just have so many ideas and they, they just really are trying to flood Twitter with, we want more Stargate because there's been all these rumors and all this talk about a new show in production. And uh, so whatever. So Victor, our, our brother, Corey, you know, just go on Twitter and it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, just, just do it. I'll, I'll get it trending on Getter. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what Getter is. So nice. Uh, what I would like is a a show called Stargate Vatican, where it turns out that in the Vatican <laughs> archives, there's actually been a Stargate yeah. there for years, and like elite priests are sent through on evangelization missions to different planets. I feel like that'd be cool. I volunteer. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk about no financial oversight. Yikes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They've been running their own teams. Nice. Awesome. Um, Yeah, that was, that's a fantastic question. It's a lot of fun. And we will make sure to uh, start using that hashtag. uh, We want Stargate because it'd be awesome to see more shows coming out. We do want Stargate. (laughs) Yes. What do we want? Stargate. Stargate. When do we want it? When do we want it? Stargate. (laughs) Yeah. After sufficient development time. Yeah. Not origins. Yeah. Keep Alex Kurtzman away from it. Yes. Oh. <laughs> or J.J. Abrams. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or Disney. Well, I think Amazon owns it and they did pretty well at the expanse. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we'll see. I'd, I'd like to, I think if Max Landis ever gets out of his penalty box, he could, he could do a really good Stargate show. He did really good with the Dirk Gently uh, BBC mm. America show. Yeah, it so. is good. That one's yeah. good. Nice. Awesome. Um, well, before we go, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Stargate, including Colleen N, Daniel S, Ruben L, David B, and Jordana A. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. 
Be sure to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Gitter, apparently, or on the SQPN <laughs> YouTube channel. To find previous episodes of Secret to Stargate and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash Stargate. You can email us at stargate at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. You can also join the StarQuest fan club mailing list by texting StarQuest to 66866. Send StarQuest to 66866. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1 in the line of duty. Until then, Father Corey, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Stargate. Well, thank you, Jack. And Lisa Jones, thank you as well. Thanks, Jack. And Victor Lambs, thank you too. Thanks, Jack. And Space Monkey, everybody! <laughs> <laughs> And once again, I am Jack Barazzini. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Stargate on StarQuest. Anyway, I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think? <laughs>